if you can keep your expenses low, and some people have different opinions about that, but in that example, generating $4,000 a month isn't as difficult as you would think. So I love giving that example because it seems to unlock people's minds as to what's possible. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, hey everyone. Annie Dickerson here together with the fabulous, the one and only Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. I'm a little sad today, though. You might want to know why. I would love to know why. Tell me why. Tell us why. Well, I'm a little sad because over this last, what, four days, I think, you and the team had such an amazing opportunity to head out to a conference that was near and dear to our hearts because it's where you and I had met four years ago. And I didn't get to attend. And it was... So amazing and looked like so much fun. And the last time I attended, let's see, I think it was in 2019 when we went, right? Was it 2019? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's time the year before the pandemic fell upon us. And uh, yeah, the last time that I went, I remember it was an opportunity to strengthen the relationships, the partnerships, people within our network, colleagues and friends, and to have lunches and dinners and get to see people in real time. It was so fun. And it was like every corner you turn, it was like a familiar face. And I saw your Facebook post and it's true. It was like going home, right? And it was this feeling of warmth and familiarity. It's like walking into cheers, right? It's like everybody knows your name. And especially for you, because you were like a little mini celebrity there. Annie got to speak on stage and did an amazing presentation. So proud of you and really inspired so many. So yeah, tell us what were your key takeaways from the event? Oh my goodness. Well, for all of our listeners, if you haven't heard us talk about this event, this was the one in 2018 where Julie and I met. We're both in the Bay Area, but took this conference in Denver for our paths to cross. And that was four years ago now, four years since we both quit our jobs. And so to be on stage at that conference this year and to share that story of growth of how we both took this leap of faith not knowing, letting go of that safety net, didn't know what was next, burned all the boats. And we were committed and we were passionate and we knew that we wanted, we had this deep burning passion to help others, particularly women and moms to get into this space and to achieve some of the freedoms that our guest today is going to be talking about. But we took that leap of faith because we knew of the impact that we could have. And so to be there on stage this you're sharing that story and inspiring others, it was like, there are no words. There are no words, honestly. And to have dozens, and I think we had over 50 of our coaching members there as well to see them and their growth and the businesses they've built, the lifestyles that they have designed for themselves, the lives of the investors that they have touched. It's just this ripple effect. And our guest today, Amy Silvis, she talks about that too, how you know we're happiest when we see that impact that we can have have on others. And I know, Julie, for both of us, 
was, we don't do this for the money. We don't do this because we want to build an empire. We do this for the impact that we want to have. And you were so sorely missed. I, As I was there, I was tears in my eyes, chills running down my spine about all this impact. And we'll get to be at one soon, but it was just... Oh my gosh, I can't even, there are no words to describe that feeling of the impact, but in many ways, I feel like we're just getting started. We're growing our team, we're doing deals left and right, we're growing this impact through our coaching members. And so, yeah, we're just getting started. Yeah, no, 100%. And it was so fun having Amy on the show today. I love having other women on the show to talk about real estate. It's such a fun conversation for us three to be sitting around and talking about her journey and her background and where she came from and how she ended up where she is. And it's a very similar story, I feel like, to my story and spending years searching for the answer. And back then, 10 years ago, she said she had spent 10 years trying to discover passive income. I feel like it was the same path for me too. It was about 10 years. And every financial advisor I went to never once, never once, never once mentioned anything about passive income. And only now to realize that financial advisors are not compensated to talk about investments, private placement investments, like the ones that we do, which is why it never came up. And which is why we do this work every day, why we continue to show up for this podcast, why we do the work we do so that more people can learn about passive investing and then to be able to serve. And we talked about that today in the show about what are we meant to do here? And I believe that we are meant to be here to leverage the skills and the strengths that we each have that are unique to us to be able to serve for the greater good and to make that impact. And that's certainly something that Amy talked about as well for her. And she's doing a bunch of amazing things right now and was so fun to have of her and get to hear her perspective on the show. Yeah, such an amazing story of growth. And speaking of which, for all of our listeners, if you are new to the real estate syndication space, which Amy talks about a little bit on the show, if you are new or I'll throw this in, or if you are a seasoned investor, but you have a friend or a family member, help with that ripple effect of impact. If they are new to this space, get a copy of our book for them. It's called Investing for Good. And it goes through all the ins and outs of the real estate syndication space, how to get started, what the process is, what the risks are. And we'll also tell you a little bit about how you can come and invest alongside us if you would like. To get a copy of that book, we have a free copy for all of you. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. All right. With that, let's dive into our conversation with Amy Silvis. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? We are excellent. Now, Amy, I know that prior to getting into multifamily real estate, you spent 13 years in the pharmaceutical and biotech industries. That's just like, it's beyond me. It seems like a lot of tech and over my head, but tell us a little bit, that seems so different from real estate. So tell us a little bit about how real estate came to be part of your journey. Yes. Yeah. Let's dive right in. So as you can imagine, getting into biotech often has a story behind it in and of itself. So the way biotech and real estate are actually both connected is I was born with a medical condition called cystic fibrosis. I'll give you the spoiler alert. 
I'm 40 now. My health is incredible. So all good news there. But growing up, I always had this strong drive to care for others, especially those in times of need. And so I felt extremely drawn to biotech where I might be able to serve some of the sickest people that are in the world. But I also knew from a pretty young age that my ability perhaps to be able to trade my time for money might not always be possible because of this health condition. So prior to 2019, when I was put on this miracle medication that changed my health for a great way, I was always looking for ways to be able to figure out how to support myself and not be a burden on my family or my parents who had already sacrificed tremendously in my childhood and young adulthood. And thankfully, I came across Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and a light bulb went off of, hey, there is a way for me to not have to trade my time for money. I can find a way to support myself by investing in real estate, and I can also continue to give back to others on perhaps an even larger scale by providing people safe, secure, and affordable housing. Small purple book, but such a big impact on so many lives, right? right? How did you come to stumble across that book? Did somebody give it to you? Did you read it by happenstance? Yeah, I had just graduated MBA school and I was in the Santa Monica library craving for something else to fill my brain with. I was so used to uh, constantly reading and learning and the book just jumped out at me. So thank goodness it did, right? Robert Kiyosaki has changed so many lives, as you mentioned, myself included, just really expanded my paradigm. Indeed. And it sounds like you're living with cystic fibrosis as a child. Seems like almost a blessing in disguise because it sounds like it gave you a different perspective and I'm sure it came with its own challenges, but it also gave you the opportunity to sort of think outside the box. And so it sounds like from an early age, you were really driven to help others. And so what did you see in biotech? What were you hoping to do with biotech? I love that perspective because it's true. Nothing is ever all good or all bad. And while, yes, there were some struggles, there is no question that having CF formed who I am today. You can imagine growing up in Los Angeles and maybe some of the distractions of Hollywood and <laughs> all of those things. There's nothing like having your mind focused on something more serious to really keep you grounded and realize exactly what matters in life you know, family, giving to others and having a purpose. So biotech was really, aside from the purpose of being able to relate to people with grievous illness, I also was just always searching for that bigger, badder job in hopes to be able to save enough money to care for myself when I knew eventually my lungs would give out. So it was, as I look back, kind of this hamster wheel of I get in a good industry. I mentioned I got my MBA. Maybe this would help add this security for this, what I thought, thank goodness it wasn't, but this inevitable kind of time when I would be too sick to work. Happy to dive in more if, if you'd like me to yeah. talk about that. So it's interesting. So you go down this path, you're like, okay, I'm going for security, I'm going for stability. And you get your MBA, and then you nothing happens by accident, right? You stumble, right. quote, stumble across this little purple book. Yeah. So then what happens? You read this book, then did you shift everything? Or where were you at that point? What did you do next? Like the great type A personality <laughs> I am. It's like, oh, I can handle a very serious chronic illness and a full-time W-2 job. And sure, I will start trying to invest on the side. That makes perfect yeah, sense. Exactly. <laughs> right. Pick up another hobby on the side. So yep. I did spend approximately 10 years trying to find a way 
to generate passive income. And maybe a little foreshadowing, but I spent the majority of those years trying to do it on my own and trying to see how I might be able to crack into the industry. But it did take a full 10 years, the majority of which I was also working my full-time biotech job to try to crack in. So I'm curious, what are some of those things that you tried? Because I feel like I went down a very similar path and for years, and you might have even gotten your MBA, I don't know, as a means to try to become wealthier, or you thought more education would be the answer, as did I. I went to law school. I thought this is the next path for me. And after my first year in of law school, which I've heard is the worst year ever, and things get easier. (laughs) Luckily, it's not like having a kid. It's like the first couple of years are the worst. You can't return them after that. Right. (laughs) Law school, I was like, oh gosh, no, this is not for me at all. Perhaps even going to get further education was part of the process over that 10 years. Talk to us about that a little bit. Sure. So the MBA actually happened before I even discovered that passive income was a thing. So that was in the background. That was just kind of more of my, hey, higher paying job. I can still save more money somehow trying to set myself up for what I felt was some inevitable health challenge. But I did go through actually a Robert Kiyosaki coaching program, maybe around 2010 or so. Being in Los Angeles, I went out to Phoenix and thought, hey, things are more reasonably priced. Maybe I'll try to get a quadplex and use some money of one of my friends. And throughout the journey, I actually kept getting sicker and sicker. So there was kind of this extra element of, as I was trying to liberate myself and set myself up for a better future, I was actually making myself a little bit more ill being in and out of the hospital. So it wasn't until I finally enrolled in one of those guru programs, which I know a lot of people have mixed opinions about, but for me, it was beneficial, both in terms of content and education, not formal, but it was part of an organized program and the networking, which I don't think people talk about enough, at least in my opinion. That's, I think, what really finally set me up for the trajectory that I took the past few years. Yeah. I always say whenever people first get into this space that networking is so undervalued. It was the first thing. It's how I met Annie. And it was one of the first things that I did a lot of. And I just started going to a lot of conferences. I started talking to anybody who would (laughs) have a conversation about investing. Help me learn. I want to know. I was in bigger pockets all the time. And in between my work, I would hop on bigger pockets at night and talk with people because it was like, that was how I learned was through the networking. And you realize that there were other ways to do real estate, other ways to do multifamily, other ways to do everything in real estate. You don't know on the surface when you first get in. So what did that look like for you? So you you started networking and then who did you meet? What kind of conversations were you having? What did you learn? Like, Talk to us about that. Yes. So the biggest, I would say, kind of turning point for me was being able to source deals and figuring out that I was good at that. I love market research. I still do it probably too much today, but I just can't get enough of identifying a strong market. And that really helped me go down the path of finding great properties. And I needed a sponsor for my first deal in Southern Indiana and was listening to a podcast through a network that was referred to me by one of the guru programs that I was in. And some of you may recognize the name Maurice Philogene. He was talking about something that I didn't hear many people in this industry speak about, which was lifestyle design. And real estate is great for money. We all appreciate the money. I don't think anyone's going to turn that away. But this concept of the five freedoms and being able to live where you want, 
do what you want with whom you want, be able to give back. That resonated with me so, so deeply. And while I was a bit intimidated because I'm new to the industry and he is a very well accomplished man in and outside of the industry, I call him the most interesting man in the world. (laughs) I had the courage to reach out and said, hey, you know, I've got this deal. Even if the deal doesn't work for sponsorship, I'd love to get to know you more because your values resonate with me so strongly. And I'm not hearing many people talk about this and kind of went from there. What those five freedoms are for anybody who might never have heard of them, tell them so this can change their lives. Yes. So financial freedom, time freedom, geographic freedom, freedom of association and freedom of purpose. Is there any order to it? Is it like, do people generally try for financial freedom first or time freedom? Or is it really just up to each individual person and their goals? Talk a little bit about that. I love that. The key really is that financial freedom. Once the passive income comes in, that is more than your expenses every month, boom, you're unlocked. You can travel. You can go, you know, out of that rat race, right? Like Robert Kiyosaki said. Yeah, you're out of that hamster wheel for sure. Yeah. And then from there, then with the five freedoms, remind me again. So financial freedom, then after that, are all the other four. So we have geographical, we have time, we have freedom of association, we have freedom of purpose, right? To me, it almost seems like hierarchical, but there's like some logic to it, right? Like after you've taken away that worry about money, right? It's like one less thing, less Forrest Gump says, one less thing to worry about, right? So then you can think, okay, well, what do I actually want to do with my time? Where do I want to live? Which many people now with COVID are starting to have the opportunity to start thinking about where do I actually want to live? What do I actually want to do? And so where are you in that spectrum and how have these five freedoms help to shape your life. It's incredible. And I tell so many people this, how quickly you can step into these five freedoms. One of the best examples, and I love using numbers because I think it really makes it tangible for folks. If your expenses are $4,000 a month and you're able to generate $4,000 a month in passive income, you are free. This is not something where you need to accumulate millions upon millions. And I think our culture or education system or something tells us kind of this idea of what it really means to be wealthy or rich, but truly wealth is simply how many days you can go or weeks or months, however you want to measure it without having to work your job and to trade your time for money. So if you can keep your expenses low, and some people have different opinions about that, but in that example... Generating $4,000 a month isn't as difficult as you would think. So I love giving that example because it seems to unlock people's minds as to what's possible. We'll get back to our conversation with Amy in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. 
We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Amy Silvis. Well, I remember in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he had talked about this and he had talked about this idea of money going to work for you. And that was when I, like everything changed for me. I was like, what does it mean to have right. money going to work for you? I don't understand. And this was before I had discovered syndications, which is a whole nother story, but I fell into syndications. I always saw the word on bigger pockets. And I thought it was like, I don't know, that's for people who are dealing with like multi-million dollar stuff. Right. Not for me, right? I was like, not for right. me. And then when I discovered the ability to be passive, right, on these deals, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is what he was talking about. Yeah. Then I started doing the math. I'm like, okay, just like you said, right? Doing the math, the numbers make it tangible. The numbers make it real. And at that time we were looking at buying a house in the Bay Area. And I was like, hmm, if I took that money instead, diverted it and invested it across multiple syndications, now what are we talking about? How much passive income is that creating and how can that change my life? And it was in that light bulb moment that I realized that I was onto something that more women in particular, moms needed to know about. And that was my journey. But yeah, so it was just so incredible. So I love that you brought that up. And yeah, it's true. If you can put your money to work for you so that your money can cover your expenses, the crazy thing is the way syndications are set up, as you know, it creates this income today, but then you also get the equity on the back end. So if you can cover that today and then you grow your pot, you're pretty much re- quote retired, right? Which is right crazy, which is like nuts. And so people think you have to work till you're 65 and whatever, whatever. But if you sit down and think about what your freedom number is, i.e. what are your expenses that you need to cover are, you're kind of free, right? I love that. And I love that you talked about that concept of, oh, it's not for me. Yeah. Because it does, it can feel so distant, especially without that information. And I love what you all are doing here because you're letting people know very tangibly what is for you. And here's why it is for you. Here's how close it can be. We are not born to work until the day we die, which unfortunately is something I feel like is almost programmed into us. And it is so much closer, I think, than most people think. And it can be simply a little bit of those shifts of, Am I really to go to school, get a good job, buy a house? Maybe, but maybe not for everybody. I own a whole bunch of apartment units. 
I rent my apartment in Los Angeles. And that's not because I can't afford a house. My husband and I have chosen to rent. My very first real estate purchase was for $5 million in a 58-unit apartment complex. (laughs) That's not for everybody, right? But it's just this option of, hey, you have choices. You don't have to be a robot on what society tells you. Yeah, 100%. I'm with you on that. I'm a renter as well. Are you? Uh, Oh, yeah. I fully believe in that. And not always is it true, but in some instances, buying your primary home when you're still on the growth of trajectory and trying to grow your wealth is not always the best idea. Not typically a good investment as we've been taught, right? And that's the thing is to tell people that there's another way. You don't have to work for 30 years or whatever and plunk a bunch of money into a home and be in debt and have to be responsible. You are responsible to pay that off. It's wild. It's nuts. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to ask you, which you talked about was around lifestyle freedom. Mm. And we talk about a lot on the show is this idea of life by design. So I want to ask you, what does that mean to you? What does life by design mean to you? I answer that question first. And then I, and then I want to dig in a little bit because it means different things for different people. Yeah. And so what does that mean for you? So very specifically for my husband and I, it means two things. The first is we love to travel. We haven't been able to do it nearly enough. I think most people who have traveled understand what it's like to be bitten by the bug. We certainly have been been bitten. So the concept of being able to live several months at a time overseas in a country of our choice and not just be a tourist, but truly immerse ourselves in culture, get to know people that are different than us is something that we want to do several times a year for the rest of our lives. And we don't want to have to wait until we're older with maybe, you know, mobility issues, God forbid, or, you know, something like that. We're in our forties. It's time to do it now. The second thing is, as you can imagine, given my newfound amazing health, I am so eager and excited to be able to give back to society in a way that I was never able to kind of imagine in years prior. My husband is the same. He grew up in East Los Angeles, the benefactor of after-school programs and kind of enrichment programs outside of what's not such a great school district. So our ability to contribute financially, also with our time, to be mentors, to be active in giving back and making this world a better place, both of those things are incredibly important to us. And that's how we are designing our lives. Yeah. I love that. The travel piece to both Annie and I is huge. Annie's going to France, I think. We're doing a home exchange. We're going to be in France for five weeks this summer with our kids. And just that immersion piece, it makes such a big difference. Once you experience that slow travel, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's not like normal tourism where you go in, it's almost like a helicopter. You go in, you swoop in, you see the things and then you leave and you check it off your list, but you didn't really experience being in that place. Yeah. Hardly a vacation ever, right? It's like not relaxing. It's so stressful. You barely remember anything because you were like whirlwind in and out. Yes. When Annie goes there and she's going to spend five weeks and what an amazing experience too for her children who will remember that piece of like, remember that time, right? Like Kai and Eli will be like, remember that summer (laughs) we spent five weeks in France, like frolicking in the fields in the beautiful (laughs) weather? (laughs) 
like, oh my God, right? You know, it's interesting, something that you mentioned too. The second piece is the ability to serve, right? And you talked about life isn't about going off to some job and like working for 30 years, right? What it's done for you is it's opened up this other world so that you can serve. And so that you can do find opportunities to offer your skill sets and your strengths to help other people, right? And for I feel like every guest we bring on the show, that's always what it comes back to is like, okay, now that you've reached financial freedom or you've mastered the game and passive, you understand passive income, what do you do with your time, right? And it always goes back to serving and it always goes back to, well, now I get to serve in a way that's bigger than myself, bigger than my family and make an impact. And that's so incredible, right? And if more people could get up every day and do that, I think what an amazing world this would be. So I love that you said that. Yeah. Absolutely. We're designed to be happiest when we give, right? Our culture doesn't teach that maybe not as much as, as it should, but it is the ultimate life hack of if you want really true happiness, start giving to others in whatever capacity you're able to. And wow, are you going to be the best version of yourself and the happiest you've ever been? So I definitely focus on that and try to live that out. Awesome. Where do you guys travel? I'm curious. You mentioned Gosh, the last place I went. So you can imagine having a lung condition, even though I'm incredibly healthy, the past two years have been a little funky for me. So haven't been too many places, but the last place I went was Budapest, highly underrated. Okay. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. Have you been? The, the Danube right there, the beautiful river and the all the architecture. It's gorgeous. The history. Oh my gosh. Ruled by the Russians, the Austro-Hungarian Empire. I mean, just fascinating. People are amazing. Food is spectacular. They're not on the Euro, so it's really inexpensive. I cannot recommend it enough. So our little hidden secret. Nice. Well, Annie, have you been there before? Long time ago, when I was 15, I think, with the Memphis Youth Symphony, we did a summer tour to Austria and Hungary. So uh-huh. got to experience it then, but haven't been back since. But it clearly it left an impression on me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, Amy, I do want to take us back for a moment to that first deal that you did. So you mentioned for 10 years, you're sort of had this real estate idea on the side. You were trying to chip away at it. And finally, you decided, I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to join this group and I'm going to learn how to do this. You start networking. Tell us about, because I think a lot of our listeners might be in that space where they're like, well, I want to do that too. I've been trying to do this thing on the side for a long time. What did that look like, that process of getting that first deal? I think you mentioned it was in Indiana and 58 units. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think there's not only just the technical aspect of it, which you talked about, you love market research, right? So definitely want to hear about that, but also the mindset shift of like going from zero to 58 units. That's huge. So tell us that a little bit about that story. Sure. I love that. This is such a fun story to tell. So first of all, that deal in Southern Indiana, when I first found it and brought it to Maurice for sponsorship was in March of 2020. Raise your hand if you remember what was going on in the world in March of 2020. Oh boy. <laughs> no one knows, right? No one remembers that. So unfortunately, that deal did not pass due diligence in addition to kind of the stuff that was going on in the world at the time. So the actual 58 unit deal that I closed a little bit after that was in Clarksville, Tennessee. And I'm happy to talk about the market research and, and why I chose that. But 
the key to getting that deal done that really launched me from trying, 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 trying amongst other kind of obstacles was finding this team. I didn't, I thought I just needed a sponsor because I didn't have the balance sheets and all of that. But what I soon realized, this only child type A personality realized is that a team changes everything. It really does because this is a team sport. And not only is it more fun being around like-minded people and doing deals with other people, but you can really have aces in their places, as Coach Trevor McGregor loves to say, and have people really focus on what they're best at. So I'm sourcing deals. Maurice is able to sponsor. Maurice and Aaron are able to fundraise. Chad helps me. Chad Sutton helps me underwrite and make sure the due diligence is doing what it needs to do. So there is something incredibly beautiful and also effective in a practical sense of linking up with a team and not trying to do it all on your own. I love the term going further faster and without a doubt, linking up with a like-minded team did that for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I first got into this space, I thought Julie Lamb is going to do it all, honey. Right? I'm going to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. I can handle it. I have three kids. They were four, three, and one at the time, work a full-time job, and I'm going to go out and buy apartments by myself. And I quickly realized, like three months in, I was like, whoa, okay, we're talking about something else here that is not possible. And what fun is it like to be able to... I'm an only child as well. I have half brothers and sisters, but I'm an only child as well. Similar personality too. And I totally thought, oh, I'm going to just do this all myself. And then met Annie and... Was I'm my- also an only child. How rare yes. is this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is this a support group? Did this just turn into a support group? <laughs> but one thing that I think is important, Annie, and I talk about this all the time, is realizing what your strengths are, right? Mm. And, and you did that early on, it sounds like. You knew what your strengths were. And when you met Maurice, you were like, this is what I need. And it was very similar for me. I knew what my strengths were and I knew very well what my weaknesses were. And when I met Annie, Annie was, she was the strength to my weaknesses and vice versa. And that's why it works out so well. And, but so I think anybody who might be thinking about getting into the space, like you said, think about building a team around you and really looking at where your weak spots are. And we still continue to do this to this day within our own business. It's like, okay, Annie handles like 20 million things in the business, but what is she the best at? And what can we hire somebody else to do that is on her plate? Right. And so it's a lot of that finding folks aces in their places and realizing what your strengths are. So I love that. I love that did mention, I'm just going to dig in because you said you ner- like to nerd out about market research. Mm. And I am, there's something that early on I was just totally overwhelmed by. I was like, as soon as I realized I wasn't going to invest in the Bay Area, I was like, well, I have the whole United States here. Like, where do I even start? Do I go to the big cities, the little cities, like Southeast, close to me? Like, so tell us a little bit, give us some tips on market research. If there's somebody out there who's currently in that phase, who's like overwhelmed and needs to pick their spot, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, this bridge is so perfectly into what we talked about in terms of the team too. You know, we're all California ladies, right? And we, I don't want to speak for you all, but I don't think you all invest in California either. So when you have a team, the whole country opens up to you, right? You don't have to invest where you live because most likely, even if you're not in California, maybe you don't live in a market that's in the part of the cycle that makes sense. So that being said, yeah, some tips that I think of. So market research is really the traveling of real estate for me. So I mentioned I like to travel in my free time. 
part of the fun of market research in the United States is really getting to know these markets. So when we think about population growth, we just had a massive change in migration in the United States over the past two years. And with that, a bunch of opportunity just came up. Where are folks moving? Where are Californians invading, right? <laughs> Where are people from our state uh, heading out to? Not just our state, but then we look at job growth. What markets have done really well despite kind of the economic hardships during COVID? There are definitely markets that barely saw a blip over the past two years and are thriving or maybe even in a better economic time than where they were prior to the pandemic. Then we can also look at landlord-friendly states. Not all states treat residents the same. And I'm not a slumlord. You all aren't slumlords. We're just looking for something that's fair, right? Fair and equitable where we can have a mutually beneficial relationship with our residents where if they're not paying, we have the ability to work with them and run a business because at the end of the day, we all have to pay our mortgages, right? Regardless. So those types of things, you can Google them. You can look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You can look at the Federal Reserve website to understand unemployment local economic development committees that can give you hints about what jobs are on the horizon. Those are just a few tools there that can be really helpful in identifying exciting emerging markets that I use. I love that. Love so ahead. many of the things that we always talk about. And I think it just to crystallize it into those clear things gives you a framework when you go into these markets to know exactly what to look for. Because I've been guilty of this. I go into, I'm like, okay, I'm going to look at this market. Okay. First thing I do, let me pull up Redfin. Let me pull up Zillow. Let me pull up LoopNet. Let me see what's there. Now let me go to Google Maps, go through the streets. What is it like? Right. But what you actually need are those data points that you talk talked about. So having that in mind, it saves you a lot of time when you're looking at potential markets. Yeah. yeah. It can really make or break, well, not make or break, but it can really accelerate, make a good deal significantly better and provide better returns when you're in an emerging market. So it's an exciting piece of the puzzle. So what markets are you guys investing in right now? So currently we're looking in, do you want states, cities, all the above? Maybe give us high level states. Sure. Tennessee, we continue to love. Alabama, not the whole state. Northern Alabama is pretty attractive. My dark horse is Indiana. I did mention that. That was one of kind of my first loves. But I think because of its location, a lot of people kind of categorize it as this Midwest state, but it's incredibly pro-business. There's a lot of job growth growing on there. Some cities are experiencing some great net migration, and it's extremely landlord-friendly. And something I don't hear a lot of people talk about is it doesn't have a lot of unfunded liabilities. I think we're going to start hearing that term a bit more in the coming years as states have commitments to pay uh, retiree benefits for their public employees. And we all know in the state of California, that can be a little tough. That's going to trickle down to the local level and may impact our the services that are provided by cities and states in the future. So I keep a close eye on that as well. And Indiana is pretty favorable. Interesting. Nice. And then tell us really quickly before we move on, what does your portfolio look like right now? How many properties, how many units do you guys have under management? What does that look like? So personally, I have about 430 units under my belt. Okay. That is in Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and Indiana. Okay. I am business partners with Quattro Capital. So I do have some, they have other units that we weren't business partners with in that respect. And Silvis Capital is actually going to, my own organization will be creating a fund for investment in the future, likely in those markets as well. Nice. Yeah. Very exciting. Awesome. 
Well, cool. Well, so fun. Good to learn about all of that. Anybody who's listening who might have some interest in any of those markets, definitely want to reach out to Amy and get in touch with her. So we'll get your contact info here in a minute, but let's move on to the last part of our show, the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round. We're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So the first question is around your life and money. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? Really making sure that I have not just created another job for myself as a a real estate investor. Maybe some people can relate. This industry is a lot of fun. I wake up every morning really, really excited for the investors I can serve for the residents that we get to take care of and provide an amazing home for. And at least for me, it is very easy to spend many, many hours working in the business. So intentionally reminding myself every morning of what my goals ultimately are in terms of charity, in terms of travel, having an amazing relationship with my husband and my family and our ability to give back. So it is setting kind of time boundaries and being my own parent in some sense (laughs) to make sure that what I'm preaching is actually what I'm doing and I'm enjoying life at 40 years old and not just making up my own job again. Yeah. And I love that. And that's so important for us as women to remember that this is something that we need to do is to set those boundaries and set these limits. Because I think that we are naturally just geared to do whatever it takes. And sometimes that can that can harm us. So I love that. And it's not always easy. What are maybe like one or two, and maybe this will fall into the next question, but maybe like how, what are some ways that you maintain that, maintain those boundaries? How do you do you do time? I'm blocking on your calendar or what? how are you intentional about it? Because it can be hard. Spot on. Yeah. The time blocking is, I don't know where I would be without my calendar. In fact, I have it both digitally and written down because I think repetition helps me as well. Just really solidify all of those. So yeah, it is just making sure I'm planning ahead of time and time blocking. It is such a game changer. Yeah, I love that. I do both as well. Write it down on the calendar, yeah. <laughs> the whiteboard that I have. And then I also live and die by my calendar on my phone as well. So it's kind of funny because now stuff is just sometimes scheduled. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just supposed to show up there at <laughs> nine o'clock or whatever. <laughs> You're voluntold. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, second question is around others' life and money. So, what is one life or money hack that you can share that will make an impact in others' lives? right now. This may be a little nerdy, but I'm going with it. So there is a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. If you haven't read it, I would highly recommend. And here's why. And it's you'll notice it. It's a huge book. It can be kind of intense, but I think it's never been more important for all of us to understand what money is, how money is created, and how it works. There are those of us who have been studying this, myself included, that saw this inflation coming that weren't taken off guard by the fact that we're seeing 7 8% inflation on an annual basis. Obviously, inflation isn't necessarily a favorable thing. It hurts a lot of people. But if you can see that coming and understand why it's happening and how you can benefit yourself and your family, it is a game changer. And I think things will be even more acute in terms of our need to be able to take action to protect ourselves and preserve our wealth. So that's my tip. I love it. I love it. I wonder, is it a long book? Do you know? It's really it is long. an extremely long book and it takes a little while to get going, but if you can stick with it, I 
I'm a little bit of an evangelist about the book. I don't benefit from it at all, <laughs> but the people I have convinced to be able to read it always say that it's probably in the top three books they've ever read in their lives. It is oh, that wow. impactful. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll add a little hack in there. There's a website called Short Form. So if anyone, I don't know if this book is on there, but it might be. And Short Form is kind of like cliff notes to all kinds of books out there. Cool. So, but I love that. I will definitely check it out. And I think it's equally as important, not just timing wise for right now, but I think women in general need to understand money a little bit more. And so if a book like this can help us understand how to leverage money. We have a good friend of ours who always says that she wants to help women learn how to invest because when women get money, they do good things with the money and their time. And so I think this speaks to that as well. So go out there and read that book. I'm going to check it out too. Yeah. Let me know what you think. All right. Last question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Oh, I love this. This is such a great question. I mentioned the miracle medication that I'm on for cystic fibrosis. 90% of people with the illness are able to take this drug and receive benefits. There are still 10% of people with the illness that have sadly been left behind. And I am always fundraising, advocating, raising awareness for an organization called Emily's Entourage. My dear friend, Emily Kramer Golenkoff is part of that 10% of the CF population. And we will not rest until everyone gets to benefit and breathe deeply and plan for the future and fret about the wrinkles that they have because they're aging and they're able to live long, healthy lives. So that is something I'm dedicated to every day. Goodness, I just took a deep breath just listening to you say that. It's something that we, you know, so many of us take for granted. And I love that it's a cause so near and dear to your heart and that you're working so tirelessly to help that community. So love everything that you're doing, Amy. And tell us and our listeners, if they do want to follow up with you and learn more, what's the best place that they can go? Wonderful. Yes, sylviscapital.com spelled S-Y-L-V-I-S. I'm also extremely active on LinkedIn. I love to talk to people and educate. So you can also find me at Amy Silvis on LinkedIn as well. Amy Silvis, founder of Silvis Capital. Amy, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you. This was an absolute joy. I really appreciate you all. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 